is our personal tool to keep us at our best and realize self-esteem. The mind, body, and immune system work together to help us make the right choices and to reach our purpose and potential. Welcome to Illuminating Now, Lindsay's Life Secrets. Lindsay and her guests are the go-to experts when it comes to relationships, sexuality, parenting, and wellness. We're here to enlighten and inform you. Now, here is your host, Lindsay Levinson. Hi, I am Lindsay Levinson, and I am your host of Illuminating Now, Lindsay's Life Secrets. So thanks for joining us. We're on voiceamerica.com, and we are on the Variety Channel. And we've been continuing and working our way into discussing some pretty deep subject matter and making meaning of life in these different subjects. So again, thank you for joining us today and for continuing forward because we have some interesting things to talk about today with our guest, Bobby Anderson, who I will introduce in just a little bit. We did run a contest for a few weeks, and that was what stands in the way of your happiness. And we got a tremendous response, and so thank you all. I I just can't thank you enough for taking your time to participate because collective thinking is just such a gift in this world when we can help each other share our wisdom. We did announce those names. We announced winners and their answers. We announced them on our Facebook page. So take a look there. And while you're there, can you like our Facebook page? I'd appreciate it if you would. And that's Illuminating Now, no spaces. And our Twitter is at sign Illuminating Now, no spaces. But the shows where the names got announced were on April 9th and April 16th. So go ahead and take a listen to those. We then changed the question up and we said, what are the challenges? What's what's the biggest challenge you faced? What's some life challenge that has been very difficult for you? And we got some very smart and insightful and deep and deep and vulnerable answers. And I'm going to be reading those throughout this show. I will start with a few. We'll do some before break, after break, and all the way till the end of the show. So please stay tuned so you can listen if you are one of the ones who said something that was really worth sharing for everyone. And of course, learning from everyone else is is great as well. I want to continue to stay, as I also told you, Facebook and Twitter. I can be reached at lindsay, L-I-N-Z-I, 244, at sbcglobal.net. My website is qualityforlifecoaching.com. There are no numbers, there are no spaces, it's just four words, qualityforlifecoaching.com. So you can write me, and I'm glad to do a Skype or a phone call with you for 20 minutes as a no-charge consultation. And I want to just remind you that t.levinson at yahoo.com was Trace, and he was on March 19th talking about a happier life, actions to change your life, and make you lead yourself to a better place. And he's willing to do that at no charge if you write him at t.levinson at yahoo.com. So back to, I'm, I, I'm excited to introduce Bobby, and I still have a couple more things to say before I do that. I want to say that we are going to talk about today um, facing fear, facing challenges, facing obstacles, depressions, you know, how to find self-worth when life situations can often blur our ability to find that. And so just before I read Bobby's bio and then introduce him, I am going to just launch with a couple of winners. So Gary Loper, Gary Loper was one of our winners from the last one, but this is what he said about challenges. He said, all of our challenges serve us to become even better and to be an example for others on their journey. So 
excellent insight, Gary, because blessings are found in every tragedy and to be able to see that they serve us and that we can find and make meaning is a great insight. Lou War is someone else is a familiar name at this point as a follower and a winner. But here's what Lou said. Unfortunately, I suppose the answer is easy for me, being diagnosed with a brain tumor. However, I cannot say this was the worst thing that ever happened to me. There are so many positive things that have come from it, so many that I cannot begin to list them here. Am I suggesting that having a brain tumor is a good thing? No, but it certainly doesn't necessarily mean that you should give up hope and are paralyzed by the what-ifs. Whether you have a brain tumor or not, none of us knows how much time we have, so you better get busy. I'm just going to say, Lou, I am so inspired by you and inspired by what you wrote. And I'm really, really inspired by that quote. You better get busy. How great is that? That says it all. And you have some very clear insights, Lou, and and we can all benefit from them. So thank you. I'm going to read one more, and then we are moving on to our guest. Chris Manning is someone else who's been following this show. And this is what Chris said. I would say that a life challenge, excuse me, that a life changing false accusation would hit the nail on the head pretty well. Even though it's not true, it still casts doubt, which you have to live with forever. Really meaningful, Chris. I really just got that. I so got you on that one. Being accused falsely is painful and it's difficult because how do we vindicate our own self when someone accused us? But we have to live with the view of ourselves and if it's negative it can be detrimental so we must speak our truth out loud and we just must hold our own truth of who we are inside us and always keep it with us and that will keep us as strong as we can be so thanks Chris for that Bobby Anderson I'm about to introduce let me first just tell you this is a man who has had a long and successful career in working with the government and the private sector Bobby's primarily been a business consultant and a business owner where he managed projects and he really supported the rights of workers in California in much of his work. He has an emphasis and he's always worked with health and human service organizations. So, you know, when you meet Bobby, you learn. He has sensitivities that run pretty contrary to business owners who tend to really put profit as first and foremost. Bobby's more about serving the community. So his philosophies can be to do with business, but he believes counterintuitively that if you serve others in community, that's where you're going to find the happiness that you aspire to, even if it's a business venture. So that's what we're going to talk about today, some painful feelings, self-worth, ways to triumph, and how empathy plays a role, um, whether you receive it or if you're giving empathy, you know, that you might find your best self in being able to give empathy. So, Bobby, first of all, just let me say thank you for being on the show today. Well, thank you for having me, Lindsay. It's a pleasure being here. I'm really glad you're here. And, and so I would just say as we go on with this subject matter about um, painful feelings, self-worth, how you get through it, much of this connects to how you were raised. You know, there's family values and life value definitions that you are taught growing up. So I'd like to hear you share your family values or you know, where does your family story or your own story begin? Sure, we can talk about that. Uh, first of all, I think I just want everyone to know that I have not written a book about this, uh, nor am I a motivational speaker. 
it seems that our interests had merged on this, Lindsay, because you've known me for many years and you've seen some of the ups and downs that I've gone through. So, yes, my background, uh, you know, and, and the values that uh, I hold dear came from uh, a loving family. I was uh, born and raised in a very racially diverse community. Uh, I would say families were of middle to low income, but this is back in the 50s and where I lived at least, not too many people, as you would see in that same area today, uh, were wanting for food or shelter. Let's put it that way. I was never the most popular kid in school, but I, I did have a regular group of friends. So uh, friendship is very important to me. Favorite memories that I have uh, from a young age uh, were school activities, extra school, extracurricular activities, and uh, also just the type of things that uh, we did as a family. For instance, uh, shopping for clothing uh, for back to school week was, was a big deal when I was a kid. Uh, it wasn't uh, the type of situation where you have now, I guess, where people buy clothes all year round. We had to, we had to kind of plan for that. We weren't, uh, again, a rich family. We were uh, middle to low income. Um, but one of the memories I have was that the man behind the counter at the department store that my mother used to seek out every year for years in a row, he seemed to be quite the nicest fellow and a very good listener. I learned a lot about how a simple business transaction was done when uh, the service provider is a good listener. And I would... I would, find, I would think that my mother considered this man behind the uh, counter uh, that conducted these simple transactions after a conversation ensued, uh, touching on personal things in both their lives as well as family needs for us. These types of conversation were, again, not just about business. Wherever it uh, was, whether we were shopping for clothing or just visiting friends, these conversations my mother had with other people in a business environment and a non-business environment were very often uh, uh, touching on issues of the heart. You know, yeah, yeah as young children, you know, uh, we are often dismissed as young children uh, in the presence of adults. So we have kind of a uh, special privilege to uh, lend an ear to some of the conversations that may be interesting. Maybe some conversations are not. But I learned at an early age that people were drawn, especially to my mother, because of her listening skills. They considered her someone that they could tell their secrets to. Their problems and their dreams as well seemed to uh, be, you know, an open part of the conversation. So I think I learned at that young age the value of active listening the value of uh, empathizing with someone else's situation through my mother's ability to do that, her patience and her open heart. So I was much older before I realized that she basically had the same approach in raising my brother and I. She was a good listener. That's great. You know, I first of all, I remember back to school shopping also. And so you're very right. Things have changed a lot. But that was a really precious time and so exciting for kids. And whether you had money or not, it, it was the time of the year that you did that. And so I can just resonate with how much you were tuned into your mom's interactions and what was really going on and that it went beyond business. So it sounds like conversations really had an impact on you. I mean, you really watched and you listened and it sounds like you even taught yourself communication by really watching. Is that true? 
Yeah, I, I believe so. I believe it, 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 it affected me at a very young age. Uh, communication skills uh, were something that I thought was important. The most important types of the conversations that I was privileged to be present at had to do with relationships and the human spirit. I find that when people seek uh, professional help nowadays, uh, at least for the past several years, with these very personal matters, after an initial consultation, they often just walk away from a professional with uh, some advice and a bottle of pills to solve their problems. And I always thought it was rather ironic that you could spend more time with your parents getting outfitted for school clothes than it would take for a medical professional, for example, to convince your parents that maybe this child should be put on Ritalin so they could sit uh, still in school. So I've always been uh, quite sensitive to that. Yeah. That that, type that. of uh, help. I think that's a sensitivity that a lot of people have. I, I continue through all of these shows. I, I don't know if it's everyone, but it's come up a lot, medication. So I am an advocate for medication if it works and is needed. I certainly believe that many times we use it as a default when there may be a much better option. And most of all, I hear what you're saying just about, in general, mental health and relationships. And a lot of times we just miss how to build this. So talk to me a little bit more from a relationship perspective what you know what you learned well i guess from that perspective in maintaining and having failed later on i'll, I'll we'll talk about some failures in my life regarding relationship you know i did learn to be a good listener and friend you know i was that was one of the best ways i thought to start an acute or long term uh, healing process you know regarding emotional suffering you may so, call it something else uh, you know the the psyche yeah, well, that's that's very insightful. It's a very insightful statement you've just made. So, can give me an example of this? Well, I guess if I had to cite one in my early days, uh, you know, I I became the boy in uh, late elementary school and early junior high school, where the other boys and girls would tell me their secrets and problems too. Uh, this in itself was often difficult, but it was very satisfying as well. Uh, some of the difficulties came later when I became older enough where I was attracted to girls in a romantic sort of way, if you know what I mean. Sure, sure. I, I would listen, you know, particularly to a friend that I had, uh, a, a girl that was a friend, and I, I cared for. Uh, Jen used to tell me the stories of how she was beaten at home for reasons I thought were unreasonable and frankly, frankly horrific. You know, simple kid-like behavior, for instance, could anger her father and result in a bruise on her cheek. You know, she was so beautiful. Maybe part of that beauty was that she was so vulnerable in my eyes. And, uh, you know, I, I just thought for sure that if I loved her enough, if I held her hand and just made sure I always had time to be with her when she, when she needed me, that I could somehow, in some way, um, comfort her during these hardships. I never really forgot about her. I think about her even to this day sometimes. But she wow. chose to be with a little rougher crowd in high school, and there were we were never as close after that. It seemed that her home life had not gotten any better, and and you know I saw her rarely, but it didn't seem that she showed those moments of happiness that I recalled. Uh, you know when we were together in earlier times. And that had to be so hard because, you know, when you care so much about someone and then you know about their pain, 
but then you're helpless. You know, you give what you can and be there and hold her hand and love her, but you can't take away the pain or take away the circumstance. And so I can imagine that weighed heavy. So go on then. What happens next for you? Well, you're right. Uh, you know, before moving on, I would say that um, I could feel the pain she was going through, and I did not know what the word empathy meant for years later. In any case, you know, I had a very short stint in college, and this could have had uh, something to do with my ability to empathize as well. I was in a very, uh, it was a close call, a near-fatal automobile accident, and this through my life, you know, a big curveball. This necessitated a rethinking. Uh, I wasn't uh, going to finish my college career. I couldn't afford it. I needed to think of how I was going to make a living. I again thought about the man behind the counter at the family's favorite department store. You know, he was so important. And in my eyes, when I was younger and I decided I could uh, use my communications best in the area of sales, I pursued that. I went and applied at that same department store. Hmm. I must have worked in every commission department in that store until I settled in the furniture department. And I made a very successful living there. Uh, I earned a good income. But the sales game, it was changing. It wasn't the same type of customer service, the listening and fulfillment of uh, you know, a customer's or family's needs. This was when the greed is good mentality that was so prevalent in the 80s and 90s uh, was rising. I found myself in a very competitive arena with my fellow workers instead of a team-oriented service business, if you know what I mean. Yeah, well, and knowing you, I mean, you know, you've talked about being more into community, so you're starting to notice the difference of what it is to be competitive versus really the joy that comes from giving others and giving and joining in community, right? Yeah, this this greed is good thing really ran contrary. Uh, I didn't fit in that in that type of right. environment, um, and I felt myself having to bend. And here's where eventually breaking my ethical code and my moral code. In many ways, uh, you know, I wanted to fit in so badly here, and at this point, I had a family to support. So the company culture I lived in. It had its trappings, you know, with these after-hour parties complete with adult beverages and illicit drugs. I uh, had become the life of the party. Changing companies and fields didn't seem to make much difference back then. Uh, Maybe it was me that gravitated to this modern culture of sales, and part of that formula was based on the greed and instant gratification. Uh, maybe I was a follower in, in the way that I started my addictive behaviors there. But by the late, by the late 90s, I was a you know, successful salesman and consultant for businesses, large businesses, small businesses, and some very in- influential people in government. Um, most of my business was done outside the office uh, now uh, with out-of-town entertainment trips, or during an afternoon on the golf course, followed by a visit to the men's club, you know, a strip joint. Mm-hmm. My uh, marriage and family life was strained. Uh, and a bigger house with a boat and a couple of nice cars, it wasn't as satisfying as I thought it would be. Yeah, so you're, ri- you're arriving at a place where materials and popularity and all of that, it's not the ticket to find the joy that you were really trying to access at that point. So then what happens? If I knew, I could have gotten your help then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, we don't, 
You know, we don't really have time, I, I think. Uh, we went through this before, Lindsay, about how do good, two good people with three wonderful kids, uh, my wife and I and, my, and our children, uh, we don't really have time to go into all the details about how, you know, our, our wonderful individuals in the family could, uh, my wife and I, doom a marriage. How could we do that? But leave it to say that one of the core issues there was that we found that we never really loved each other. Uh, and that takes a toll after 25 years. I bet. I bet it does. So then what did you realize, I mean, in knowing that? Well, we we kind of realized that we were following a simple formula. You know, best friends became lovers, and at that point, a marriage ensued. And we knew probably uh, what everybody was telling us uh, on how to achieve the American dream sound functional to us. But at the same time, two functional alcoholics can make a go at it for a while, but eventually things get a little raw. Which makes sense, again, because anything to do with drugs or alcohol is an altered state. There's nothing, you know, it's, again, I'm not here to put the gavel down on good or bad, but it's an altered state if you're using a substance. And so no matter what, whether you both were using them or one of you at a time, I don't think you can ever achieve true you know, authenticity in relationship or find what real love is if you're dealing in an altered state. So then what goes on with your marriage? Well, you know, this is a, a de-evolution of a simple relationship that um, starts off with two people. And when the child uh, enters the family and then a second and third child enters the family, things do become more complicated. But there's a lot of joy that revolves around that kind of activity as well. So we were able to keep up with this for quite a long time. And, uh, you know, even with our drinking and, and drug use, uh, we, were still, we were still functional uh, for quite a long time. But in the end, I think there always uh, seemed to be a blame game if situations weren't quite going as we had expected them to. Yeah. So, you understand what I'm saying? Well, yeah, and I was going to name that blame. Some That was actually mentioned um, as one of the answers. One of our listeners, when we said, what is a block to true happiness in your life? Um, one person named blame, you know, that we use the blame game a lot, and it turns out to be a fallacy, which ultimately, you know, stops us from living in truth or finding real joy. So it's interesting that you brought that up. That The blame game, and then when you realize that that is not working, you know, maybe the apologies come a little too late. Maybe um, the best of us tend to hold on to some of that history. And uh, for me, I, was, I felt myself apologizing, I think, more than uh, saying thank you on the other end. Yeah. Yeah. So, so by this time, you know, by this time uh, my wife uh, had been uh, uh, through a reasonable period of rehab late in our marriage. Um, I, on the other hand, decided I needed more drinks and some additional self-medication. Yeah, yeah. So you weren't you weren't done with this. Which so this story goes on and it's getting pretty deep. We are going to take a break. I am going to announce some more winners, but I want to say, Bobby, you're really revealing a lot here. You're you're offering vulnerability, and it's truly in an effort to help others. And so. I really thank you for that, and we're going to continue the story because there's a lot more for us to learn as Bobby will reveal his story. As I asked for listeners to talk about challenges, 
I was really thrilled with the interest and the participation, but just mostly, just as Bobby's doing here, I'm really impressed with people sharing their challenges and really telling the truth so other people can do some reflection and learn and we can all share from this wisdom. I'm going to name Ron Sidwell. Ron's another familiar name, a follower for a long time and a winner on the last contest, but Ron said a couple things. He talked about, he said, trying to come up with the biggest challenge I realized that having faced many, the ones which seemed most challenging were the ones created by fear and apprehension, regardless if the fear had any truth value. Really interesting. Sometimes it is our own fears, and it may not even be true, but we scare ourselves with a lot of things. And Ron also mentioned that he hoped we would address the issue of self-pity and a comfortable appeal of being a victim. And he said that that exacerbates depression and it nurtures it into being a warm place to hide from further psychological trauma. So I think that Ron Sidwell, you describe all of this really well. Now, I'm not making a judgment on self-pity or depression or even feeling like a victim. You know, there are circumstances that sometimes throw us into this, but we have to face being afraid of things and sad and we have to face whatever our challenges are and walk toward whatever that is to ultimately land with some courage and it is the courage that we find in ourselves that I think help us maintain a self-esteem and a self-identity that can help us survive in this life. I want to name that Ivor Kellogg. He said changing some of my basic habits in daily life. And he said, it's easy to recognize them, easy to plan to make the change, difficult to break the habits, even when you recognize you're doing it. So Ivor couldn't agree with you more. This was really powerful. People are quick to name our bad habits. Sometimes they point at us and tell us, and sometimes we know ourselves with our loud inner critic. Oh my gosh, this is a terrible habit I have. But they don't change overnight. So... That's difficult, and we are going to head to break in a little bit. I want to say again, there are a couple, I mean, there's more that will come throughout the whole entire show, but a couple I'll name after the break, and throughout the completion of the show, there will be a number of names read. But I want to thank all of you for joining in on this subject matter, because it's, it's really critical that we join together and look at what scares us, what causes sadness, what creates some detrimental behaviors that we do ourselves, self-sabotaging, maybe like Bobby's saying, if you medicate or if you drink or if you say you're sorry or if it's too late, some of these things become very difficult. So we're going to talk more about this and dig deeper. And thanks to Bobby, we're going to get some more insights on one man's story. So this is Lindsay Levinson. You are listening to Illuminating Now, Lindsay's Life Secrets. And there will be a life secret at the end of the show. So stay tuned. We're coming back from break shortly, continuing on, and I will look forward right after break. Stay tuned. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. We all want peace. We all desire a more meaningful life. We work hard to achieve these things, but at what avail? The key is authentic living with Andrea Matthews. 
Andrea will interview some of the great spiritual experts of today and will provide wisdom to help you raise your consciousness to the level of your own I am. Your authenticity can give you miraculous gifts, but you have to know how to get there. Listen for Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Heard live every Wednesday afternoon at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the 7th Wave Network. Very rarely does our news media spotlight some of the good things that are happening in our world. For more of these good stories and the people that are creating them, tune in to Bread for the Journey with Mariana Cacciatore. Whether these good acts stem from personal tragedy or just a desire to help out and make this a better world in which to live, you'll find inspiration in every week's program. Connect with those that are doing something great for a change. Listen for Bread for the Journey, Saturdays at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Are you a single parent trying to create the balance between home life and work life? You may be running a successful business, but how are your relationships with your family and children? If you're one of the thousands of people trying to juggle it all, tune in to Straight Up with Chris, real talk on business and parenthood, Hosted by Chris FSU. Chris is the portrait of the success story. Coming to the U.S. with no language skills, founding and growing several businesses while raising his daughter from age 7 to adulthood as a single dad. Listen every Thursday at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific on Voice America Variety. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. You are tuned in to Illuminating Now, Lindsay's Life Secrets. To connect with Lindsay or her guest, please call in to the show at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to lindsay244 at sbcglobal.net. That's l-i-n-z-i-244 at sbcglobal.net. Now, back to Illuminating Now. Hi, this is Lindsay Levinson, and we are back on Illuminating Now, Lindsay's Life Secrets. Thanks for joining us back again. And we are going to continue on with Bobby's story. I am first going to name a few additional folks who had answers on the question, what's the greatest challenge you faced, or what's one of the biggest challenges? Different people answered it differently, but Carolyn Nettle, she said, the biggest challenge was learning to love myself after much abuse as a child, now helping others to do the same. This is something that many don't share, Carolyn, and I thank you. I thank you for sharing it. I thank you for noting it and really for committing yourself to helping others because you're very right about what that can do when you're abused. Jedediah Prim, he wrote, in, back in December of 2012, he almost lost his daughter, She had been hit by a car and then run over by another car. She completely shattered her face. She had to go through 12 hours of surgery. And on top of all that, his daughter was pregnant. But the story ends that she survives and she has what he calls their miracle grandson, Noah. 
So this had to be, I mean, talk about meaning of life and talk about a challenge. Oh, my God. And Jedediah, thanks for sharing that. Being faced with this had to create tremendous change for you, I'm guessing, forever because of what you had to do to make meaning and to hold strength through something like this. And the last one I'll read before we return back to Bobby is Dennis Cole says, my biggest challenge was after a work accident that removed a part of one foot. He said, after I got past the point of my foot, having its own entity separate from me, I was able to begin overcoming the handicap. And so Dennis, once again, sharing personal information, vulnerability, thank you. Overcoming this gives people hope. And so you really are doing that. And tragedy does strike us in odd ways, but overcoming any part of it is where we will build our courage and our bravery. And it makes us stronger in this life. So thanks, Dennis, for sharing that. So I want to go back to you, Bobby, and get back to, you know, your wife goes into rehab, you're still doing something with substances, you're still in an evolutionary transitional state of figuring out your life. Continue on what what happens with the company work for or your situation at that time. Yeah, thanks for the compliment in using the word evolution. I think it was more a de-evolution into a total hedonist state of being. <laughs> <laughs> The company I worked for uh, shortly after our marriage uh, became officially on the rocks filed for bankruptcy. I was the last man standing in once a, once a uh, very successful uh, consulting group uh, that dealt a lot with, with uh, large and small private companies as well as government. It was a fun, you know, just a kick-ass job to have. Yeah. I would have. I would have cut and run uh, with everybody else that went out and started looking for new jobs. We were being actively recruited. But one thing kind of stuck in my craw, Lindsay. I really could not accept that my clients would be left in a lurch. And what that means is that when a company closes its doors, you may know this, you know, all production stops. And we were pretty much locked out. I was I was the only one left in the building only because I had connections with um, – with the government uh, department of justice that threatened uh, to take action if I didn't, if I didn't at least copy some of the records that uh, their projects, uh, you know, were involving their projects that were midstream. So I felt like I would sell them out if I just went and went and got another job. I talked this over with uh, my soon to be ex-wife and she wasn't a fan of it. She wanted to see the money keep coming in. I did the hard thing. I decided to finish the work that I had started with at least seven clients. My business was to provide them with services. I had agreed to that, and some of these clients were my friends. So by the time I finished all of this business uh, with my clients and friends, uh, you know, I had accidentally gone into business for myself, and that lasted for quite some time. Wow. And that's kind of an interesting, very very interesting statement. Accidentally went into business for yourself. So did this turn out to be a plus or not, not so much? It was a plus for a good long time. But uh, as we're, you know, we're entering the period of time where the economy is starting to shrink just before the big bust of 2008 now. So this was uh, kind of a future shock, shock situation for me with business opportunities becoming less and less. You know, I loved being part of that old team, the camaraderie and the parties and the drugs and alcohol. They were all just suddenly gone. Uh, I was pretty much isolated. 
So surprise, uh, the depression started setting in. I want to mention you know, Ron Sidwell's comment. He's absolutely right. You know, depression is a good place to hide. You know, you can be quite comfortable being depressed and uh, shielding yourself from further anguish. But to make a long story short on this business cycle with uh, dwindling clients, I was able to finish these, these uh, projects for my clients and gain some industry recognition. But when it came right down to it, there was a hole in me, Lindsay. So that's, I mean, self-doubt. Of course, you've been through so much. And so are you able to shake that or how do you start to work on that? Yeah, everything I had before and more, you know, I had all of those things except the connection with the people that used to be close to me. Right. That self-doubt creeps in in many ways. And uh, for me, it was, it was mainly isolation. My old team members were spread across the country. My children were all in colleges from coast to coast. And my marriage was finally finished. You know, some of my friends told me that I just needed to uh, spend some time with myself, find my inner self, live alone for a while. And this was kind of reinforced by my marriage counselor. Uh, so who was I to question the wisdom of this, right? Right. So live alone. Okay. So what happens? Or do you do that? Do you live alone and go to isolation as a way to fix yourself? <laughs> yeah. Well, at least that's what I was hearing the advice was. That, right. You know, uh, I'm convinced that some people, especially that have a propensity for empathy, uh, I'm convinced that people like me are not necessarily made to live alone. But yeah. the final stage of my personal train wreck uh, you know, I was isolated in a penthouse apartment overlooking a river I had once fished and hunted and been very happy uh, sporting on. Uh, all I was doing at that time was exploiting my two staunchest allies, whiskey and cocaine. Aww. Yeah, yeah, it got, it got bad. To make the story complete, you know, in, the, uh, in a very hard winter, I, I almost always lived in the mountains over the summertime, but... I found myself staying over the winter this particular year. It was a very cold, hard winter. Um, I was, again, isolated, depressed, and uh, had very little contact with anybody that I used to know, including my, my ex-wife, of course, but my children as well. Uh, I seemed to have inadvertently pushed them away. It came to a head when I asked my neighbor if I could borrow his hacksaw to saw off my shotgun, uh, and you know what for. What for? Well, I was convinced to blow my brains out. That seemed to be uh, uh, a good path. Uh, I was I was very much in despair, yeah, very so lonely, and my my self esteem had hit the bottom. So this is really really deep. I, I really want the listeners to. I mean, I'm sure you're turning up your volume, all of you, at this point, because this gets really deep. Because whether you've had a moment like this or your life feels like this, or you know someone, um, it's as real as it gets when you start to really contemplate, you know, should my life go on? So for you, Bobby, you, you have this moment or this period of time, you are still here today. So what stopped you? Well, it's interesting. You know, I have to question myself. Um, what stopped me, it certainly wasn't the fact that I realized I had some worth deep inside myself uh, now that I was an independent person living on my own, yeah. uh, following the advice that everyone had prescribed. It seemed, uh, it seemed that I needed uh, 
perhaps quite the opposite. Uh, I did reach out to a woman, and that woman is now my wife, but we were friends for quite some time. I, I reached out to her uh, kind of in the way that you would reach out maybe to a therapist, maybe to somebody you trusted that was a good listener. Uh, I asked her to come up and see a concert with me. I was in an area that had quite a bit of entertainment, and maybe this would be a final celebration, and I could uh, you know, reconsider the fact whether or not I wanted to take my own life. I confided in her. I trusted her, and uh, she wanted to come and be present with me if I were to do that. I thought, my Lord, I asked her, why would anyone you know, want to uh, be witness to something like that? She had a simple, simple uh, comment. And that was, uh, nobody should die alone. She got my attention. Um, it became obvious to me that my suicide would cause pain to my family and friends. That's probably the number one reason. I had believed that helping people in emotional situation, emotional suffering for years, if I was just a good listener and a good friend, that I could help them through you know, a few bumps in the road. I felt that was my nature, but causing my own death and the type of pain that that would cause to others simply ran contrary to my nature's nature. I had to, I had to lift myself up a little. So it doesn't get much deeper again than this, still this moment of contemplation. You meet this woman and, but she opens your eyes due to her empathy. She's willing to stand by your side, even if it is death that you feel you must face, but in the empathetic view that she offers you start to tap back into your own empathy for the people you'll leave behind and what that might do. So empathy begets empathy. So I think that's pretty powerful. So what happens next? Well, she's, she's just an awesome person. Her, her emotional response to things is, is very sophisticated, but, but very raw indeed. And she was a good listener. You know, this was a new beginning. We became closer friends and, and then eventually lovers. We both had one thing in common. We were trying to cope what we thought was some cope with what, what we thought was some of the pain in the world as we knew it. You know, we did some protesting against the war in Iraq. In this coping process, though, this togetherness and coping, I had met someone that deeply cared about me, and this was a pleasant, pleasant surprise. It uh, opened my eyes to the possibility of happiness again. She was one of those good listeners that I had always prided myself in being. We were in agreement that we both had something to offer, and it really seemed a difficult task without some external support. That ended up being each other. Call it weakness, Lindsay, but neither one of us felt as strong individually as we did together. Some people, myself being one of them, are simply not designed to live alone. I still believe that. Well, and I don't think it's a weakness as much as I think naming truth always moves you forward. In fact, and quite often it can catapult you into into forward-moving authenticity. You named your truth. You said that you were considering taking your life. She named her truth. She didn't try to say, don't do it. She said, I'll stand by you, whatever you decide, but I will stand by you. And I think that when you name your truth in any capacity, specifically in relationship, and you call out for what you seek in the world, the universe will quite often meet you there. Do you agree with that? I can't argue with you at all on that. 
Hmm. I still think that my part, you know, my part in contributing to the universe uh, is listening to others, and and that helps me deal with some of my own pain. My values were formed, like like we talked about earlier, early in life, but I I really strayed from them. I'm not claiming I wasn't responsible for my actions. Quite the contrary, you know, I engaged in behavior that was popular when I knew it was not the right way to go. When I betrayed my own ethics and morals, it became easier to drink and medicate my problems away. I only found myself wanting to live again when I realized that my future wife and others found me worth, worthy of loving. And I'm guessing now, in, in hearing that and seeing that, which is a reflection back, that you probably either find your own self-worth more easily or work on that. Is that true? Well, starting to love yourself again is a lot of work. It takes a, an everyday effort. And uh, so I reflect as best I can. Real shortly, I have kind of a ritual now. When I get up in the morning, I look in the mirror and tell myself how lucky I am, how fortunate I am. And at night, I try to find that star in the sky and just say simply thank you for my life. Well, I love that. I love that. And, and I think rituals are important, finding the way that makes you strong. So, um, I, you know, time always flies. There's a lot still to do. I have some names to read and want to talk about the Lindsay's Life Secrets. But, Bobby, I just want to thank you so much for being on Illuminating Now today. Thank you very much. It's always good to talk to you, Lindsay. You're always a big help. Thank you. Thank you. So, Bobby has shared a lot, and I think his insights are pretty powerful. And so, I'm going to say, Lindsay Life Secret 1 here, walking toward fear and however you want to word that, walking toward what you feel your weaknesses or walking toward what scares you, it's how you become brave. And while we live in this world with the opposite instinct, you know, we want to run away from things that are scary and we don't want to stick around if it's hard sometimes. But but it's amazing what happens when you walk toward what you're scared of. And I personally of many things I'm scared of, even phobias in some areas. And I really work on this and I have seen it change me as a stronger individual and someone who is much braver in this world to take on the next challenge. So I really recommend that. The second Lindsay life secret has to do with self-worth, which is a lot of what Bobby addressed. And I want to say it's difficult. It's a lot of what um, our listeners addressed as well, but it can be difficult to find or claim your self-worth. And sometimes, as Bobby mentioned, with his new wife and others, you know, sometimes it's others that end up being our mirror. Sometimes we actually look into someone's eyes and they see that we're beautiful, so we see our own reflection, and we can then recognize we're beautiful. So however you find your way to seeing and believing your own worth, make sure that this is a priority for you. That's, that's, that's Lindsay Life's secret too. It's a priority that you recognize and find and hold on to your self-worth because it will determine exactly what you're delivered in the way of gifts and just in general, how your life will turn out. I want to talk about next week. I want to talk about our guest. Our guest is Lewis which I call him Louis Bernstein. Yeah, I've known him for many years. We went through our graduate school program together and we got our master's in a psychology program. And we've all done different things with our education and credentials. But Louis, he's a licensed marriage family therapist. He does have a private practice in the Bay Area, in San Francisco Bay Area. He can talk more about where that is. 
And he really has a specialty in couples and relationship counseling. Now, he works on many things. I've sent different clients with special needs for certain reasons to him, but I will say this man is stellar in his ability to work with couples. He uses an integrative and holistic approach, and he draws from the best relationship and psychological philosophies. So object relations, Harville Hendricks, uh, Dr. John Gottman, he uses their research and creates healthy and supportive ways to allow couples to feel healthy and supportive in their own fulfilling relationships. I will say that Louis is writing a book. It's soon to be released. It's called How to Grow Your Great Relationship. And it was personally inspired by the miracle and perfection of nature's hand in guiding the growth of a living system, like a fruit tree. So he really applies the actual fundamentals and principles of nature and shows how they correlate directly with health and fruition and growth of a relationship. So it's going to be exciting to talk to him, and I really hope you'll tune in. His, his website is the www.lewis.bernstein.com. All one word, lewisbernsteinmft.com. So you can look him up and take a look at him before he's on the show. And um, he'll, you know, talk with me on April 30th about applying some of these principles and how he's distilled all of this so that it can be applied with couples to find their greatest joy. So please look forward to that next week. As I continue on, I want to name just a few more of these winners that I um, thrilled participated in this contest. So Colin Sides, he said, when my daughter was six weeks old back in 1995, she wasn't eating and she was throwing up and the doctor diagnosed her with a hiatus hernia. She was rushed to the hospital for surgery. She pulled through and is a healthy teenager now. He said that he was working in the Middle East at the time and could not get back for six months And Colin says, this was one of the biggest challenges I had to face in my life. How hard being away from family and not being able to get back. Um, Colin, I just want to reiterate, that would be torture. I can just imagine the torture you must have felt. And you are clearly articulating how horrible you felt. Sometimes there's nothing you can do when it comes to truly traveling or being at a certain location. But sometimes we don't realize that the energy we carry has a stronger effect than we know. And prayer and just knowing in your heart that you should be there, you want to be there, and you would if you could, is enough. So thanks for sharing that, Colin. I really appreciate it. I want to talk about Todd Hirschberg. He said, my biggest challenge was distancing myself from negative environments. And I think that's some of what Bobby had to say as well. So I resonate with that. I think Bobby would too. What a powerful choice. This isn't just something we wonder. It's data shows us if you hang with negativity, if you hang with negative people, are you hanging in a negative circumstance or you hang in a circumstance that is the antithesis of your belief system, things will remain negative for you. So Todd Hirschberg, thank you. That is good job on noticing and great answer and great to share that. I want to talk about Wayne Mansfield, because this sounds simple. He says, the lack of activity adds to any problem. Just get moving and things get better. So that could sound kind of simple, but you know what? 
that's really, really true, and it's right. And Wayne, you're right on point with that one. Actions lead us to the next place we're going, and leading ourselves to the next place keeps us moving ahead, forward. And if you move forward, you're moving forward through challenge. So that becomes pretty critical. I want to talk about Tom Mack, who said the simple answer, his challenge, overcoming addictions. Tom, if you overcame any addiction, you should feel so proud of yourself. And Tom, thanks for sharing that. Because once again, as you have, as our listeners have, as Bobby has, people are sharing vulnerabilities here. And that allows us to listen closer and relate more to what we need to maybe look at for ourselves and how to maybe help ourselves. Ernie Meyer named the death of a grandson. And that was hard for me to even want to read that. But you know what? I mean, I I can't imagine the pain that you had to get through. I don't believe we totally ever get through this type of tragedy as people kind of wait for the date for it to be done. But we have to make meaning of tragedy. And we have to be proud of every day that we stand up, take one foot, put it in front of the other, and keep moving ahead in this life when we experience this kind of loss. There is a lot to think about when it comes to loss. And as Bobby said, you know, Anne Ron said, well, we can get lost in depression, but there's no crime in being depressed and there's no crime in being sad, but we do have to try to make meaning and get up and walk forward because the meaning and the answers come later. After we've shown our own personal strength, other information reveals itself. I know that Rie K. Gills also noted that she watched her father fight with all his might, and he still lost a long and painful battle with diabetes. Once again, what do you say to that? It's so painful. But if you're still standing and you can make sense of any day of your life, then you're doing something very valuable in surviving. And surviving is having strength and holding it. And believe me, you're touching other lives with it if you carry it. Thank you, listeners, for participating in these threads and these contests. I am so gracious, and I really do offer you gratitude for being part of it. I thank you for listening to this show. You can choose any show. You can choose what to do with your time. I'm going to say it over and over. You chose Illuminating Now. We have statistics that show you are following, you are listening, and you are staying tuned. And I just can't thank you enough. This is Lindsay Levinson. I am your host at Illuminating Now, Lindsay's Life Secrets. I hope that the show was valuable today. I really want you to tune in on April 30th with the MFT, Louis Bernstein. He's going to have some tremendous insights. And in the meantime, really have a wonderful, meaningful week. Thanks a lot. Thanks for joining us for Illuminating Now, Lindsay's Life Secrets. Please join Lindsay Levinson again next Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have a terrific week.